are listening to Help for HD Live, the first podcast created for families living with Huntington's and juvenile Huntington's disease. Don't forget to find us on iTunes, Blog Talk, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. You can also search over 500 archived episodes and other projects at HelpForHD.org. To watch us in person, find Help for HD TV on YouTube and subscribe and ring the bell for notifications on new content. Help for HD Live is going on air in 5, 4, 3, 2, Hello, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning in to Help for HD Live. This program is made possible because of Teva Pharmaceuticals, Neurocrine Biosciences, the Griffin Foundation, and the Hereditary Disease Foundation. I'm your host, Lauren Holder, and I am really excited about today's show. I have Dr. Benjamin Gilmer on today, um, who is a family physician and associate professor, professor at the University of North Carolina School of Medicine and Mountain Area Health Education Center, or MAHEC Family Medicine Residency Program. Um, but I know him because for, for many years now because of what he is doing to bring awareness um, for Dr. Vince Gilmer. Um, and so I'm going to have him come on, and, and we're going to just talk a little bit about Vince and about what um, Ben Gilmer is doing as well um, to help spread HD awareness. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you, Lauren. So happy to be here. So let's get started with um, how you recently had a book that was published, and it goes into um, Dr. Vince Gilmer's story. Could you tell us a little bit about your journey with Dr. Vince Gilmer and, and how you got to publishing the book? Sure. It's a, it's a strange story that started almost 10 years ago after inheriting a, a small rural family practice outside of Asheville, North Carolina, I realized that my predecessor had um, had killed his father. And then I realized that I, I was inheriting his patients. And then I realized that we shared the same name. And so it was, a, it was an interesting way for me to learn about this man through his patients. And by all accounts, he was an amazing doctor. And and was invested in the community, and this was the first terrible act he had ever committed um, and was sentenced to prison and has been there for 19 years. So after getting really interested about, like, what happened to my predecessor and, and sort of aligning with him also because we had the same name, I started to explore what, you know, what, his, what happened to him, what his symptoms looked like. And they, they started lining up um, more towards like a psychiatric diagnosis. And so eventually I went to the prison to visit him. And in that moment, I realized that he he clearly had a psychiatric diagnosis, but it was also fairly obvious that he, he probably had a neurologic diagnosis as well. Um, I didn't know anything about Huntington's disease at this point. I never in, had sort of entertained the idea after seeing him for the first time that, that maybe that could be on the differential, but it wasn't until... So I invited another doctor, a psychiatrist, into the prison with me to observe him. And we had another chance to watch his movements and his dyskinesias. And it was clear afterwards that that he that something deeper was going on. And the psychiatrist suggested that he might have Huntington's disease. I had never had a patient with Huntington's disease. 
I'd only read about it in the medical school, in our textbooks. And so I started to explore more about what Huntington's disease could look like. And eventually we, we begged the, the prison to, to test him. And indeed he was, he was positive. And so that for me, this was a big turning point because it meant that he, it explained some of the symptoms that he had when, when he committed this act because he was hearing voices, he was having delusions at the time. But there were also a number of different things that were happening in his life at the time beyond Huntington's that um, explained why he was so sick in that in that moment. It wasn't, wasn't just Huntington's that was contributing, it was a number of other things. So I started to really become a student of, at that point about Huntington's and to learn as much as I could about it and to pursue trying to get this man, Vince Gilmer, out of prison because it was clear that a man with a terminal illness, um, a man who never would have stepped one foot in a, in a prison if he had had the diagnosis during his trial, if that had been known, he would have he would have gone to a hospital instead. But he but he didn't. He um, he went to a prison and that's where he's been for 19 years. So it's been an interesting intersection for me to get to know this disease that's become very um, very close to me now. Yeah. And, and ultimately, um, ultimately that led to writing this book, The Other Dr. Yeah. Gilmer. Yeah, to bring awareness not only to Huntington's, but um, really stuff behind the scenes as well, such as what's going on in, in prisons. And, um, you know, it's been, I know it's been a very tough fight um, as far as, even trying to get the governor to listen, um, to even consider having him moved. Um, and so the book goes into all of that stuff. Um, it's, it's called The Other Dr. Gilmer, Two Men, a Murder, and an Unlikely Fight for Justice. Um, let me ask you, so for the past 10 years, you know, you've, you've been doing all of this work. What would you say... Um, is the one thing that stands out to you about Huntington's that people just don't realize? Well, that, well, firstly, you know, most general physicians just don't understand what Huntington's is. And that was certainly my, true in my case too. But I, I think that thing that really, that was transformative for me was, was thinking about Huntington's firstly as, uh, you know, as an insidious um, psychiatric illness. And, and most people in medicine don't think about the psychiatric symptoms of Huntington's. They think about the chorea and the, and the CAG repeats. That's about it. But for me, it was it was so interesting to think about the different insults that had affected Vince Gilmer's brain. And everybody sort of asked, well, was that a Huntington's, a result of Huntington's, or was that a result of the PTSD that he had from experiencing a lifelong history of trauma from his father? Or was it because he had been, you know, precipitously come off an SSRI, an antidepressant medication, which can cause symptoms like that too? Or is it major depression? And I think for me, like it was enlightening to see that Huntington's is a disease that can manifest so differently in everyone based on, on the number of CAG repeats, but also based on how resilient that person's brain is in the first place. And and Ben Skilmer's brain was was not very resilient because he had all those other things going on at the same time. 
um, so I think it's I think it's interesting that as a you know we think of it as sort of a primordial like genetic illness, but it's so much more to that, and the way that it can affect the brain is so variable and, and so unique in each person. The biggest thing is just the the uniqueness, the expressiveness is, is so different in each person. Yeah, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. Even dealing with, um, you know, professionals who are, you know, used to HD, some still don't realize that. So it's such a good point. Um, you also brought up something just now that um, I just wanted to touch on, and, and you mentioned that Vince had um, PTSD from trauma that he experienced. So his father had HD, correct, and it was undiagnosed. Undiagnosed, it was thought he was thought to have schizophrenia. And his father, the one who who caused the trauma. That's correct. Yeah, his father struggled with HD, not knowing what he was struggling with, which is so hard, I think, for a lot of HD patients who don't have a diagnosis or who don't even know that it's in their family. So he he had this sort of pathos that was triggered after coming back from Vietnam and that that really precipitated some very serious sexual abuse that occurred with Vince for many years. Yeah, and I, I think that's a hot topic, right? It's a taboo topic we don't bring up um, in the community much, but it is definitely something that um, we do need to talk about in in the community and that's that's that generational trauma and especially for those who um you know their parents didn't know about HD in their family and so they un, they're undiagnosed and suffering from the mental health side of things um and it can get really bad if you're if you don't get treatment um and you're right PTSD is such a huge deal and plays a huge role for somebody else who has HD and is not treated correctly. And in his family, as it is in many families, it was, you know, it was this unknown experience that the family had just been cycling through for generations. And I think the unknowingness of it is is really traumatic. Like, I mean, it's traumatic enough to to know that HD is in your family, but not knowing can also be very traumatic. And for right, because you don't know what you're fighting. He, you, you don't know what you're fighting. He was struggling with himself on many levels, and he was struggling with his own history of abuse that had occurred from his father. So it was a, it was an intergenerational trauma. Yeah, so sad. So let me let me ask you about Vince. What is Vince's status now? So a little bit of the backstory of that is that. We pursued um, clemency, clemency petition with the governor of Virginia. That was a number of years ago. That was, that was about a decade ago. And the first governor rejected our appeal. Second governor rejected our appeal, and then and then ultimately changed his mind, which is unprecedented during his last day in office. And that was in January of 2022. Um, so Vince has been a, a pardoned free person, um, but who continues to live in jail because it's been so difficult to find a hospital setting to take him. 
And that was the agreement that we made with the governor, that he would go from the prison to the hospital. The state of Virginia or the Commonwealth of Virginia has, has not been cooperative to facilitate getting him into a hospital setting in Virginia. And so that means we have to take him out of state, which has its own complexities. But um, we've had hospital after hospital turn us down over this last year, and we've negotiated with one particular place for months, and then they finally said no. Um, so it's been a real battle. This has been a massive learning curve for me to understand better how, how our resources for treating mental illness and mental health in this country are so poor. And I, I think, you know, in the HD world, um, and for all patients, really, like it's it's a struggle to find the resources that we you know that are are needed, like to take care of of complex patients, and that would include all people with mental illness or, or complex patients. But Vince has has sort of you know a two two pronged pathology, in that he's an incarcerated person, and all the baggage that that brings, and he has a complicated psychiatric and, and neurologic illness. So we've been fighting and are continuing to fight for a, a place for him and, and have been negotiating with the VA system who I believe is going to take him very soon. So that's been that's been a real win recently. So we hope to get him to a hospital soon. But he's, you know, he's you can imagine, like, living with Huntington's and mental illness in prison is, is the worst place for any person to ex- experience any you know, a rehabilitative life. And Vince hasn't had the opportunity to experience a, a real a rehabilitative life or to have, you know, healing in a way that, that's really focused on him rather than punishment. And all he has known over the last two decades is that he's been punished for his illness. And that's, you know, that's why I wrote this book is to speak out against that. Yeah. Yeah, and I mean, um, it's so sad. Uh, the fact that you know, I've I've been following this before, you know, began you know after you you did an NPR uh, show, and um, I called you up and said, you know, if you want any information, here I am. Um, <laughs> but I've been following it, and just the fact that even talking with the attorneys and him not being able to get assistive devices like they they refuse to give assistive devices to him they refuse basic necessities for somebody with a neurologic condition and i can't even fathom how hard that is to be able to, to be in prison alone just mentally how hard that would be on somebody but somebody with hd and then not even be able to get the basic necessities for a neurologic disease. Um, it just is mind-blowing to me. Um, well, this, this book well, is more very powerful. <clears throat> like, it's mind-blowing, but it, it's also like a very clear um, you know, rejection of the Eighth Amendment, to, which is cruel and unusual punishment. So he, he is experiencing cruel and unusual punishment. Which which is unconstitutional, um, and I, Lauren, I appreciate all the many lessons of HD you've taught me over the years. You've been a really great mentor in that regard, and I appreciate all your support. Oh, oh, it's no problem at all. 
you know, I've, I've always wanted to help because um, I think it's terrible. You know, I, my father dealt with um, aggressive behavior and um, thankfully he had somebody on his side who, you know, who worked to get him the care that he needed and we, we were as proactive as we could be. But I also know how it could have been had he not had that um, and had we not known about HD. So, um, you know, my heart just goes out to, to Vince um, and I'm so glad that you wrote this book um, to, to bring out not only what HD is, but the other struggles of, you know, the generational trauma of being in prison and what that means for him as somebody with a neurologic condition. Um, because, you know, it's not just happening to people with HD. You, you've got to imagine it's happening to anybody with any type of mental health issue or neurologic condition that is in prison. Um, so it's a it's so needed true. thing. It's so true. And, you know, I think it's interesting to think of how, um, you know, I think people with HD, like we oftentimes forget that people you know, with HD are, are humans too in, in, in the very normal like, humanist ways. And they, you know, normal humans experience depression, anxiety, you know, delusions, all kinds of, you know, the spectrum of psychiatric illness. And we, we forget like the HD people are, are – are real people who experience other real human issues. And those are the issues when you look at our prison system are rampant. Like 40% of people who are in prison have some form of mental illness, oftentimes severe mental illness. And that's, that's an atrocity in my mind. When you look across the country, you realize that there are 10 times more people with mental illness who reside in prisons rather than in hospitals, which is just a crazy statistic. Um, it just highlights that, you know, we have so few resources for our most needy people, our most vulnerable citizens, which which is, you know, which is mental illness in many cases. Yeah, yeah huge gaps where, when it comes to mental health and mental illness. And um, it's something that, you know, I've talked about on this podcast so many times. Um, so, uh, you know, I could probably talk about that for hours, but I won't. I promise. I know you've got places to be. Um, so, so I know the next step for you, you've got a book tour, right? Like you go out and you are selling your book, the other Dr. Gilmer, which is also available on Amazon and um, where else? Barnes and Noble, uh, Books a Million. And then local um, independent bookstores. Like I, I love the idea of lo- the local independent bookstore because most small towns have one still, and it's a great place to support like your your local community. So yeah, you, yeah, the smallest of towns. Has, yeah, yeah. But the you know the book is is not for me. It's not about sales. Like it's about sharing the story, and it was like a very direct like tool for advocacy that I wanted the governor of Virginia to have so that he could understand better, you know, what the nature of Huntington's disease, what the nature of mental illness, and so he could better understand why it's just impossible to try to to treat this in prison. Like, you just can't, you can't do it. There aren't enough resources to do it. Right. 
And so what are next steps for you? Um, I know we had talked before about a potential film. Is that still in the work? So there, there's a film, yes, that's um, in the works currently. I learned that these projects take a very long time, but the person who's been committed to it has also been very sensitive to Huntington's and trying to portray Huntington's in, in a very authentic way. And none of the story or, or the film is an act of like demonizing Huntington's. It's it's the very opposite. Um, but we'll we'll see. <laughs> no predictions on when that project might be done. But I, I hope it does come to fruition one day because it'll it'll be a nice educational opportunity to you know to see mental illness and Huntington's in, in a different light. Yeah, absolutely. And so is there a potential for another book now that you're learning more about the mental health side and um, stuff like that? I would expect that, you know, you have a lot you could do there too. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Like, I've learned that, you know, that storytelling is, is a great mechanism to convey lots of information very fast. Like it's, it's a great way to share, you know, your heart and your your own personal authenticity with someone, and it's it's a great way to, you know, to change minds and and provoke advocacy. So I, I I've loved it as like a tool. I've learned like I didn't know anything about writing before, but I've, I've learned that it can be a, a great tool for advocacy in many ways, and that I can, you know, it's an opportunity to share with others very directly and very, you know. Authentically, I think is probably the best word for it. So, so yeah. Well, I, I would encourage everyone to write write their own story about their story of self, about how Huntington's, you know, has affected you. And I think writing is very therapeutic in in its own right. So, whether your book be published or not, like it's it's a great process to pursue. Absolutely. Um, well, and you're just really good at it too. Uh, you're you're just amazing at it, and I just have to say you're an amazing individual to pursue, um, you know, to pursue what was going on with Vince, to to take an interest in in what happened to him, and to figure out, you know, what medical condition it was, and not that he was just some crazy person and treating him that way. Um, that, that takes an amazing individual. Um, not only that, but for you to continue to fight for him for over a decade and, you know, write this book and to continue to bring awareness um, for what happened is, is amazing. Um, just shows what you are as an individual. And I can't thank you enough for what you've done for the HD community and what you've done for Vince, um, but also just spreading awareness about, the other big topics, the other taboo topics, um, you know, of that generational trauma and about incarceration. And um, I'm just truly grateful that I know you and, and that I um, have been able to follow uh, all of this. Oh, you're so kind, Lauren. Thank you. It's, no, it's, been, a, it's been a real pleasure to, to get to know your community and to get to know this disease that's so complicated and important to understand. Yeah. yeah. One thing I, I, 
in closing, maybe that I did, that's been very remarkable to me is the resiliency that that people who experience Huntington's disease have. And for Vince, I think it's it's been it's given him a certain level of tenacity that's enabled him to endure prison. And I've, I've heard from other people that this is a trait that a lot of folks with Huntington's have that they're you know they their desire to continue living, like their desire to keep fighting for themselves and, and others is is really palpable. And it's certainly what I've seen with, with Vince in his case. Like his, his story is a remarkable story of survival. It's It's been inspiring to see that. I got to say for HD Awareness Month, it's uh... – it's awesome to see it, to see everybody come together. Well, it's, it's been awesome for me to see, like, I mean, I've been to a bunch of medical conferences in my life, and, and I have never seen a disease state that was so well represented in terms of having an advocacy voice, like the HD Advocacy World and the doctors I've gotten to know um, in, in the HD world are, are some of the most incredible advocates. So it's it's very special, I think, in the in the medical world in terms of how the community has come together to to advocate for the patients who have this disease. Yeah. It's yeah. Very unique. Yeah, and it's actually something we talked about. Me and um, Seth Rotberg was on uh, last week, and we were just talking about the community coming together um, to to share our sense of urgency when it comes to um, treatments and, you know, how we do that, how we come together as a community. So I think that's such a great point that you just made. Um, so thank you for that. And thank you so much for taking time to come on. I don't want to keep you too long because I know that you are traveling and uh, probably a little jet lagged. Um, <laughs> so thank you for, for taking the time oh, to good. come on and share this story. My pleasure, Lauren. It may be Maybe we can, when Vance gets out, it will be really fun to do a a collaborative podcast with him, too. He would love that. I would love that. I would absolutely love that. Um, Yeah, so let me know when we can make that possible, and and we'll get him on, too. Awesome. All right. We'll get to talk to you. Lauren. Good to talk to you and for everybody listening. Thank you so much for listening today. Please make sure that you tune in next week. We will have Brandon Pichette on, um, one of our major HD advocates who is symptomatic and constantly and consistently fights and shares tips on um, how he keeps on going. Um, I always love having him on. So to, um, to end HD Awareness Month, we will be having him on next week. Um, I hope everybody is doing well. Until next time, guys, take care and love you. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to visit www.helpforhd.org and sign up for our email newsletter to stay up to date on all that is going on at Help for HD. Get social with us and like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram, and subscribe to Help for HD TV on YouTube and ring the bell for notifications.